0: Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church planted in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. All right, I'm going to invite you to open to uh, Jonah. We are going to continue our study in Jonah. For those of you who are new here, Um, What we do is we take a book and we handle it from start to finish so that we get the whole full picture. And uh, right now we're in the book of Jonah, which is in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. So go ahead and open your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one from the table in the back there. And if you like it so much that you want to take it home, you're free to do that. Okay? it's for you. Um, We should have enough back there if you want to take one home. So, Jonah chapter 2. Before we dive into chapter 2, I just want to recap chapter 1 a little bit because that took us two weeks just to get through chapter 1. The last verse of chapter 1, in fact, was probably the most climatic verse of the entire book. In fact, let me read it to you. This is verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then we kind of just stop there, which is kind of a cliffhanger, isn't it? So what happened next? What do you mean a fish swallowed Jonah? What is this? This is kind of crazy. And so this is what we'll continue to do, but what what I want to look at here is the rescue because if you remembered in week past, we talked about Jonah being the rebel, someone who ran from the will of God. He wasn't willing to do what he was called to do because he, he lacked something. One, he, he lacked commitment, and he also lacked love for those whom he was called to. All right. So he runs. And what he does is he literally tries to get as far away as possible from his calling. He was called to Nineveh. Now, if you remember who the Ninevites were, they were gruesome people. Yes. They were they were terrible. And so Jonah had good reason to say to think not to want to go there. So we'll give him that. However, he was a prophet, which means that he heard clearly the voice of the Lord and he was clearly sent to be a prophet to Nineveh. And so here we have a rebel wanting to get away from that calling. And so he hires a ship. He goes, if you don't know the story, I'm going to challenge you to read the chapter on your own. Or you can go back to our website and listen to the sermons from week past. And so up until this moment, we had already done, he had already done just about everything he could do to thwart God's plan or to just not be a part of it. That was Jonah's directive at this time. He's also acted selfishly, if you remember this, by putting his interest above the interest of those around him. He was willing to put others in danger for the sake of getting away from God's calling. He was not willing to step up and own his mistakes his selfishness. And particularly, as a Jew or as a prophet of God, as a preacher, let's say, he had displayed a disinterest and a lack of love and concern for the Gentile people he was sent to. As I mentioned, he tried to sail as far away from his calling as possible, only to be thrown overboard by the mariners that were with him. Why? Because he himself didn't have the decency to jump out of the boat himself. So not only did Was he not willing to go through with God's calling for him? He knew that he was in the wrong and he still wasn't willing to deal with his wrong. He had the men in the boat throw him out. And if you remember, these guys were really concerned for that. Like, wait a minute, you serve Yahweh. You serve God, the one who's in total control of everything from head to toe. Remember that? And you want us? To throw him out in your name? To throw you out in, your, in his name? Yeah, we don't know. We, we're not sure about that. However, that was the result of the situation. He ended up being thrown out of the ship. He made the men do that for him, which I think is just so interesting. And so now we have a man overboard, okay? Now, we mentioned this last week. If you're overboard, There's really only two reasons why that happened, by mistake or on purpose, okay? If if you fell out of the boat, everyone is all hands on deck, man overboard. Why that is a very dangerous situation, especially in the midst of a storm. If you've probably seen some movies where guys go overboard, right? It's a pretty harsh situation. The only other reason why you would go overboard is if you were thrown overboard, which in that case would be an execution, right? And so we have Jonah, who is now a man overboard. And that's where we left off. Once again, verse 17 of the first chapter, and a great fish was appointed by the Lord to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The New Testament actually recounts to this event. It's called the sign of Jonah. And once again, if you want to learn more about that, I challenge you to go to um, Luke chapter 11, or Matthew chapter 12. Both accounts have the sign of Jonah, or you can listen to last week's sermon so you can get caught up on that. And so now we continue with chapter 2. Let's read the whole thing together, and then we'll go from there. It says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying this, I called out to the Lord of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of, the, of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves, all your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains i went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever yet you brought up my life from the pit O oh, lord my god when my life was fading away fainting away i remembered the lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple those who pay regard the vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Just ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us understand this and apply it to our lives. Open up our hearts and our minds, Lord Jesus, to receive from you today. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. All right. So if you noticed, this almost looked like a poem, didn't it? If you flip your pages back to the book of Psalms, it probably mirrors something like that very closely. You're thinking, wait a minute, Jonah's prayer looks a lot like a psalm. I don't know if you were thinking that, but indeed it does look a lot like a psalm. And if you remember David, the psalmist, He was notorious for writing this way, right? What he did is he called out for deliverance. He reviewed his crisis. He told the Lord what was going on, the dire situation that he was found in, right? And then he reviewed his deliverance because the Lord heard his cry and then he praised the lord for the deliverance that he received from him and so that was kind of the 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 norm for david he knew how to bring his mourning and turn it into dancing through the strength of the lord jesus right whom he looked forward to and so then the same way we have jonah who if you didn't notice he finally prayed remember weeks past the sailors, the mariners had to come to him and say, what are you sleeper? What are you doing sleeping in this storm? Why don't you get up and pray? He still didn't pray. <laughs> All right. This prophet, this preacher man had to be told by others who weren't believers. You can call them heathens, right? Based on the description that we got from them. They're the ones who had to ask this Jonah guy to pray. And up until now, he has not done that. But why is he now praying? Well, life seems pretty crummy at this point, doesn't it? If you were in this situation, you'd probably pray. I don't know about you, but I probably would not have waited to be swallowed up by a fish to pray. I probably would have prayed as soon as I got picked up by those guys and been chucked into the water. My prayers would have been set right there. Woo! You know, because to me, that would have been the scariest thing ever. And so Jonah finally, finally prays. And so if you want to just Use your imagination for a little bit because we have very descriptive language here and what he's dealing with, what he's struggling with. He is thrown out of a ship into the, into the waters and at this time there's a storm. So if you can just imagine yourself in that situation, all right? You don't have the courage, let's say, to jump yourself because you know that this is your problem. And so you get thrown out there and now you're drowning. Um, have you ever been in a pool and someone's kind of splashing at you? Yeah? It, isn't it really annoying? It's really, but but why? Because it's kind of hard to catch a breath, isn't it? It's like you're out of the water and someone's splashing at you and there's water everywhere you go. And so it's like, stop. All right. If you're in a storm, you're in a similar situation. There's water coming all over the direction. You feel like you're going to die. And so the way that Jonah describes his experience here is as if he's sinking into the silence of the deep. And he says that his waves, the Lord's waves and the billows passed over him. So if you can just imagine darkness kind of closing in over him as as if you were being laid down to your grave and then dirt comes upon you. It's kind of final, isn't it? If you can just put yourself in that situation, that to me is scary if you're not right with the Lord, because it means death. And so this is where Jonah is. What's interesting, though, is that his prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving did you guys catch that jonah actually brought thanksgiving up to the lord why because he was rescued from that situation how was he rescued in the most unforeseen way possible a fish or a whale i kind of think it's a whale swallowed him up okay wow how timely how perfect what else could save him in that situation nothing other than the Lord's sovereignty over nature. And so this is what we have. And so what I want to do is I want to break down this, this Psalm of Thanksgiving, Jonah's Psalm. Last week, we looked at the gospel through Jonah. and Now we're going to look at the Psalm of Jonah. Okay, Jonah's Psalm. There's four sections to it. And I briefly mentioned them. The first thing you're going to see, and this is really um, uh, equivalent to many of the songs that you find in David. The first thing you'll see is a petition for deliverance. That's to say, I need help. Okay, that's the first thing we see. The thing, the next thing we're going to see is the review of crisis. This is the situation I'm in. This is what I need help for or from. Got it? Then we'll move on to the review of deliverance because we see that the Lord answers prayers. And so he reviews how God has actually helped him from his crisis and then he turns it into praise. Praise for deliverance. And so as we go through this, really jot down notes because this is very applicable to our lives. This is a good way for us to be able to handle the storms or the trials or those moments that are very hard pressing in our lives by doing this, by calling out to the Lord, by realizing the crisis that we're in and, and acknowledging that we actually need help because we can't save ourselves and so on and so forth. So why Thanksgiving in this dreadful situation? I'll tell you one thing, and this is, I think, maybe the big idea of this section, if I would to give it a big idea, is that God is more concerned for his servant than he is for his servant's service. Think about that. Why is Jonah going through all this? Why did God allow Jonah to to go through all of this? Isn't this a man of God? How come Jonah could be so rebellious enough to have to go through all this? Well, God really is more concerned for his servant than he is about their service, He's more concerned about you than what, he's, than, than what you're doing for him. Does that make sense? It's kind of a head scratcher a little bit, but it's true. And this is what we see here. So let's, let's break it down. Let's look at the first thing. Petition for deliverance. This is uh, beginning of verse 2, but I'm going to backtrack to verse 1 a little bit. It says, I called, called out to the Lord. So th- Jonah prayed, finally prayed from the belly of the fish. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. I called out this. This is the same verb that was used by the sailors back in verse 14. If you remember in 14, they were in distress. They were calling out to the Lord for help. They switched from their idols to Yahweh, help us because nothing we're doing is is working. And so Jonah is now in the same situation. This is a man in distress. This is a man who's literally in the face of death. And then it says this, and he answered me. Now remember, Don't don't think that Jonah's writing this down while he's in the fish, okay? He wrote this down afterwards, (laughs) all right? So he's kind of reviewing the moment, and it was worth writing down 100%. And so what he's acknowledging here is that in that moment when he was sinking, when he was drowning, God came and rescued him. In other words, God answered his prayer. He said, out of the belly of the shoal, which means death. That's the underworld right there. That's the point of no return. As as far as the Hebrews recognize the shoal, that was like hell. Okay. Out of the belly of the shoal, I cried and you heard my voice. So Jonah's doing is acknowledging that the Lord is ever present. Remember, this is the same guy who tried to run away from God's presence. And now he's acknowledging that even in the depths of the shoal, God is there. All right. He heard his voice. And so do you see how 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 Jonah is right now petitioning for deliverance in the in the sense that, hey, I'm I'm in a place that I can't help myself in. And you're there. You're here with me. You hear my distress and you're the one who's going to save me. You, You heard my voice. This is just amazing to me that God is big enough to do that. That he minds every single person. And he says, and he answered me. God responded to Jonah's uh, distress by sending a fish to swallow him. Now, I got to thinking about the fish. Why a fish? Why a fish? It's such a perfect vessel. Man, if there was an army back there with submarines, that would have been cool too, right? But those just didn't exist yet. So a, a fish or a whale? next best choice right or probably first best choice in god's eyes and this fish swallows up jonah if i'm drowning if i'm sinking if i'm hearing the silence of the deep i'm probably happy to be able to catch a breath after being inside of a fish and we know that he's breathing and living because he's there for three nights right so in that moment he feels rescued you see sometimes we have this perception of this is how i want to be rescued or this is how I want my, re- my, my restoration or redemption to look like. <laughs> but God has a totally different plan. You know, I would have preferred like some kind of Superman superhero to dive in for me and pull me out. But instead, I'm swallowed by a fish. You might think, wait a minute, that, mean- that also means death, doesn't it? Well, perhaps, but at least I'm catching a breath for now. And so in that moment, I'm happy. I'm grateful. I'm praising God for this fish and the fact that I'm in this fish. This is what Jonah is doing. Petition for deliverance. Okay, And I love that. So never never think that you know how God is going to respond. The next thing that we uh, can look at here is his review for crisis. He's actually going to tell us what he was suffering and that starts in verse three for you cast me into the deep now look at that you cast me into the deep he's actually acknowledging the fact that the lord allowed this for his life he's not blaming anybody else all right he's just is acknowledging the sovereignty of god and he said you cast me. You allowed this for, to, for me to ha- for this to happen to me. And so I acknowledge that you cast me into the deep. He's kind of also recognizing that's the Lord's judgment over him. He knows his disobedience and he says into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. The heart of the seas. That's the inmost part of the ocean. Now. Hebrews, in back in the day, they didn't have the full science books that we have, you know what I mean? So the way that they looked, they, they saw the world was interesting. They really did see it like a like a cake, like a tiered cake. And in the bottom, it was like, here's the seas, here's the firmament of the earth, which is the atmosphere, and everything is inside of it. And then here's the earth, and under the earth is the depths, and then the shoal, right, which is right under the seas, and so he feels like he's there. He literally feels like he's in the core of the earth, where where punishment was reserved for right and so he cast me into the seas and and the flood surrounded me and he says as I mentioned earlier all your waves and your billows pass over me so this is a good symbol of death he feels like everything's just shutting him out and then I said I am driven away from your side what does that mean See, Jonah felt that God no longer looked on him with favor. Remember, this is a man of God. This didn't happen with everyone at the time. The Holy Spirit had not descended onto his people. And so the fact that Jonah heard from God, that was special. And at this point, he feels like the Lord has left him in that regard. He feels like he has separated himself from there. Why? Because of his disobedience. And so he feels like this is it for him. He deserves it. He's actually just receiving it, acknowledging it. And then he says, he continues, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. This is a symbol of faith and hope right here. Even though he's in a pretty dire situation, Jonah's still f- hopeful that he's going to make it out of there. He's still hopeful that, you know what, whether I make it out physically or spiritually, <laughs> I'm going to see your presence again. Remember, the holy temple was a symbol of the presence of God. It was known that God's presence was there. He tabernacled there, right? And so he's either having the faith and hope of being out again and being able to bring sacrifice to him at the temple, or he's thinking, I will be in your presence one day. Regardless, it's going to be great. Kind of like what Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to win from here, okay? Because I'm going to be able to be with you again. And then it goes on. In verse 5 the waters closed in over me to take my life the deep surrounded me weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains this is like the underworld right there and so he is just reviewing the dire situation that he was he was in in a in a, in a high need for a savior wasn't he now let's review the deliverance because the lord did answer prayers And it says this and continuing on verse six, I went down to the land whose bars were closed upon me forever. So if you can just imagine that you say you're in the underworld and you're being locked up forever. Okay, you brought up my life from the pit. So if you can just imagine the fish just kind of coming at the nick of time and him being able to take a breath at that point while he's in the depths of the seas of the oceans, So you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Uh, That in itself is huge. Jonah is finally acknowledging God for who he is. You know, the fact that he is sovereign in authority and he's the one whom he worships. When my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. Hmm. What do you think of that? Well, it was a good thing that he remembered the Lord, but it was not a good thing that he had to wait until his life was fading away. Right. (laughs) So I highly don't recommend or I highly recommend that you remember the Lord first, all right, not while your life is fading away. However, here's a nice lesson, even if you're at that place where your life is fading away, you know, God still has the power to save. It's not too late at any, at any moment. He said, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple, into your presence. It was an answer to his prayer. And then he finally goes in to the praise that he shares or, or he lifts up to the Lord. Those who pay regard to vain idols, perhaps he's remembering the sailors that were praying to their gods and no answer came out of that. Or perhaps he's remembering the Ninevites and knowing that he was called to them. But regardless, he's acknowledging the fact that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love because nothing Nothing in this world has the power to save except for God through his son, Jesus Christ. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, that word voice, it's like a sound. It's like a song of thanksgiving, which is kind of what we see here. He says, I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What does this mean? Perhaps Jonah is finally willing to do the hard thing. It it took this kind of pressure (laughs) to finally come and do the hard thing and he says what I have vowed I will pay and this something you need to underline this last uh, line of this verse of nine salvation belongs to the Lord now I underline the word salvation there because this is interesting in the original Hebrew that word is Yeshua which is the name of Jesus to me that was just like that's cool you know salvation belongs to the Lord salvation has a name and his name is Jesus. And the Lord spoke to the fish at that moment and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Here's what's interesting. Where did Jonah get vomited out? Right where he started. How cool that he didn't need a ship ride back because fish can swim. They swim very well, can't they? And God knew exactly where he would, (laughs) you know, uh, unboard Jonah and it it happened to be on the Mediterranean coast, the shores of Israel, right where he started, so that he can continue and press forward with the plan that God had for him. All right. Isn't that amazing? Now let me go to our Christ connection. Salvation indeed has a name, and that's Jesus. That's it. Jesus belongs to the Lord. In fact, he's part of the Trinitarian God. He is God, as mentioned in weeks past. He has the power to save he it is his job to save it is our job to proclaim his salvation okay but that's what we're looking at here is the ever-present need the we're always in need of saving <laughs> constant need of saving and jesus is the one who saves acts four twelve says this and there is salvation and no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among them men by which we must be saved and so I hate to break it to you or I'd love to break it to you, but there is a way for you to be saved for the sin that you the pun, you owe a punishment. You know The wages of sin is death. And there's a way for you to be restored and redeemed from that and it's through Jesus Christ. And so what I love is that today we get to celebrate three people who have understood that and they have made that, they've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and they've allowed him to atone for their sins. And so that's why we have baptisms today. And I'm excited to do that. It's just it's kind of interesting that we're talking about Jonah getting into the water. Right. And then coming back out. Fortunately, you guys don't have to be swallowed up and come out murky. Right. But there's such a beautiful symbol there, you know, that God is able and has the power to save. And so here's here's the takeaways. And I'll get through these really quick. The first one, and I mentioned this earlier, is God is more concerned with you than he is with your service unto him. He's concerned with you. What does that mean? That means that he's going to allow you to go through some pretty treacherous times. You know, if you think of years past or maybe weeks past or who knows, maybe you're in it now. God has allowed you to go through these refining moments because that really tests your character, doesn't it? Because he's really more concerned about you. He's really more concerned about how you come about, how you respond to these moments. Do you approach God? Do you forget God? You know? It is these trying moments that really refine us just as a refining fire, just as if you're being refining or, or purifying a precious gem. It has to go through the fire. And so God allows that. You know, if you remember, Jesus had chosen 12 men to follow him as disciples and there was others that followed with him. There was moments where we see that very clearly. Jesus was more concerned about the people that he was with than what they were doing, all right? For example... When the disciples were caught in a storm, do you remember that story in Matthew 8? Jesus wasn't one bit concerned with the storm. He was concerned with how his disciples responded to the storm. He told them, oh, you have little faith. He was concerned with them. He was not concerned with the outside things. He was not concerned whether or not they had caught fish, right? He was concerned with them and how they responded to that. And Luke 10 41 through 42, Jesus corrected Martha's anxious heart. Do you remember that? Martha and Mary were there. Martha was worried and trying to busy herself to serve, and she thought that was a good and prudent thing, which it is, right? But Mary chose to just sit at his feet and listen to absorb from him. And then Martha goes to Jesus and says, hey, why don't you rebuke her like she's not helping? And Jesus had to correct her. And he said, Martha, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) What she's doing is better. You know, this is what's really building up her heart, her character, her faith, so that she can serve whole, with her whole heart, you know, with total love. And so he had to correct her. Again, Martha. what Martha was doing was good, but it was better to deal with her character, wasn't it? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was rejected in a Samaritan vi- village, and then James and John, his two. Actually, he calls them sons of thunder, right? They responded to the the rejection of Jesus in Samaria by suggesting that they called down fire from heaven to consume them all. Lord, how could they reject you? Why don't we call fire down from heaven and just obliterate them? (laughs) Jesus is like, you sons of thunder. (laughs) Okay, it's not okay. He called them out. He rebuked them. He corrected them. He brought them, he recalibrated them to love. It's okay, you're going to be rejected. See, that moment was a perfect learning experience for them. Psalm 32, 8 says this, and I'm going to go to that. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, says the Lord. I will counsel you with my eye on you. Check this out. God is going to help us every step of the moment. But he says he has his eye on us. That means we ain't going to get away with anything, guys. All right. Everything that happens is for good reason, for good purpose, for no suffering is ever wasted when it comes to God and what he allows. And so he will instruct you. He will teach you just as a father instructs and raises son. He'll keep an eye on you, make sure that you're behaving yourself and that you're actually doing what you have to do It starts here in the heart, right? He is more concerned with his servant than he is with their service. The second takeaway, and we mentioned this again, prayer should never be your last resort. That's probably sufficient, right? For me to tell you, don't Go to prayer just because you've exhausted all your other options. That should be the very first thing that you do. You know, it is through God's power and strength that we're able to accomplish things of greatness, of anything for him. And we're reminded in Philippians 4.13, Paul says this very clearly. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right. That's being one and one with God through him. You're, you're a vessel of honor for him. You're, you're working through. Through him, you know, it's not okay. I'm gonna do my thing and then I'm gonna check in with God to see how that's going. That's not how it works, that's not how it should look. And we we're perhaps doing that. I'll be the first to confess, yeah, I do that sometimes. I get some pretty cool ideas, I move forward to them, and then I ask the Lord, Was that a good idea, God? Just to find out, probably is. And Philippians 4 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, everything in prayer and supplication, I mean, come to the Lord about everything with thanksgiving, just as Jonah did in this moment, just as David does in the Psalms. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the practice that we ought to have. Pretty crazy. I gave you just a couple little passages. The entire New Testament um, points to that. And then finally, salvation belongs to the Lord, guys. Salvation is not ours. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to proclaim it. And God will save whom He will save. See, God's dramatic intervention in the life of Jonah is full of hope, not only for those who seek God, but also for those who. Who, like Jonah, have determined to shut him out. Many people believe that God opens the door to salvation and then stands back, leaving it up to us to decide if we want to walk in. God doesn't do that, He doesn't open up the door to salvation and be like, You coming or what? All right, that'd be like the fish going up to Jonah and going, ah, You coming or what? No. When God saves, he saves. That is to be pulled out, out of darkness, right? Out of death. That's what God does for us. He doesn't just leave it up to us because if God left it up to us, it's possible for us to take credit for that. To, to say, hey, it was me who chose that, you know? But no, we did not choose him. He chose us, right? And so I love that picture that God, if he saves us, we're saved. And I love it. It's not up to me. It's all up to him. And we know him. We can trust that he's got us tied in our hands, right? <clears throat> and so I want to just close with that. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I want to ask you guys, do you understand our need for salvation? You know, I use this analogy when I talk to Molly and Alan Fisher's like, whoa, I never had heard of that before. You know, life is like a plane that's going downward. You know, we've seen it all around us. We're all going to crash and burn someday. I mean, it's inevitable. This world is a world of decay. It's it's steadily just regressing, digressing, just run now, whatever you want to call it. You can just see it. You know, Jesus is not like a convenience we can sell you. That's not what we're trying to do. It's not a luxury that we want you to be able to have an experience. That's not what Jesus is. Jesus is literally like that parachute that you need because we're going down. You need it because if you don't put that on, there's really no hope for you. But through Jesus, who is like that parachute, there is. You can land safely. There's somewhere for you to go and look forward to. And so that's what we challenge you is to really consider the need that we have for a savior. The Bible is clear. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us is righteous, not even one, but Jesus was. He was the lamb without stain, without blemish, who was eligible to die for us. Because see, even if I, die, if I chose to die for you, I'm simply just paying for my own sin because I'm guilty of it. But Jesus, who was without sin, you know, took on your sin, my sin. And so when we receive that gift of salvation, he's done it. All right. We just need to receive it. Then then we can rest assured it is done. It is finished. One of the f- final seven sayings of the cross, Jesus says it is finished. And so I want to challenge you. Have you considered that? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, I want I want to introduce you to him. You know, this is not something that's just going to earn you right to this club, because this ain't just a club. If you want to think about it. No, we are passionately in love with Jesus, and we passionately believe that everyone needs that parachute. So that's why we're here today, and so we invite you to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, as we prepare to go out and just be baptized, Lord Jesus, just as a symbol of gratitude, we just ask that you would fill our hearts, that you would continue to convict our, our minds and our hearts, Lord Jesus, and that we would run to you. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you that it belongs to you. Thank you that you're merciful, you're gracious, you're kind, you're loving. You're way better than we could ever be. And so we lean on you. We trust in you tonight, today, in Jesus' name. Amen.